0: A little bit louder, a little bit better. I will be honest with you, I had to surrender. Uh, I was kind of joking with the ladies in the ladies class this morning that I, I said I can't seem to keep my makeup on because I have been just weeping over what God is doing and the power of the Spirit. And, uh, and I thought, Lord, I got I gotta surrender to you my, my dignity. I like, I like makeup. I need it. <laughs> I call it my spackle. And, um, but I thought, Lord, if, if, you, if it has to come off, because whatever you want to do this morning, then it is yours. Because um, the Holy Spirit is here. And God has a word for you today. And you know, we are given authority through Jesus over snake scorpions, which is the demonic realm. And praise God for that. What he overcame on the cross, we are given authority over through his spirit. What we are not given authority over is the human will. So when you've heard this morning the um, the give God your yes, I can pray, I can pray to bind atmospheres. I can pray to bind the diminishing of demonic spirits over somebody, but I cannot pray their will to do something that they don't choose themselves. Only we can give our yes to God, and. That is something that I hope that today, today's, uh, it's interesting that the The title that he gave me is this title here, Delivered Into Freedom, The Choice is Yours, but it was interesting, I had an alternate title, and it was Delivered But Not Free, and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that because it has a little bit of a negative connotation, but I do want you to think about that alternate title, Delivered But Not Free, because Some Christians have been delivered into salvation and are not living in any freedom. And I hope that is not going to be said of those of you listening. But I do believe that the Lord will reveal in some areas of your life that there still needs to be deliverance in some areas. You know, that is the process of sanctification. Is that we are um, on a journey with God to just what Brooke just prayed. To refine us. To um, take us through a process of uh, into holiness. So um, this morning uh, and I know that they just prayed, but I'm just going to just pray over this time together. Father, I thank you, God. I just thank you, Father, for all that you've done thus far this morning, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to just, as was already prayed, to break down the walls, break down any barriers. To bring us to a place of a yes that we have never even yet been with you, God. I pray, God, that your Spirit would just be so palpable, so manifestly present that we would we would just be um, truly moved in your presence, God, and moved by your Spirit. Yes. God, I ask you, Lord, only you, Holy Spirit, can open. Our eyes of understanding to give wisdom and revelation and truth. So God, I ask you to just release the power of your spirit to open the eyes of our understanding. That as you say in Psalm 119, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God, as we look at your word, it's just going to be another Sunday, another word in that book called the Bible without your spirit. God, we need your spirit to illuminate truth. And Father God, I thank you that the word that you have for us today is individually perhaps different for all of us because your spirit speaks so individually to where we are. Meet us at the point of our need and help us, God, to just say yes to you. Even if it's just for an hour, say yes. God, I just ask you to do great and mighty things. I pray for the team in Africa. God, that I know that with the time, time frame, time zone there, they are past this, all the churches that they went to this morning, God, and are now moving on to the next um, time of meetings today uh, with discussion that they have that's so pertinent. God, I pray that you bring clarity, bring rest, bring great needed fellowship and uh, discussion to them this evening, God. And I thank you, God, for what you've already done, just mind-blowing, what you've already done, and, and it's, you've just not even begun, Lord, in what you're doing there, and I praise you for that. We thank you, God. Help us to just uh, just open up our, our entire hearts to you this morning, and I pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that um, I always find kind of humorous, uh, I went for, to Christian school for a time in my upbringing, and uh, we had to have Bible class, which I think is wonderful but at that time, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, the Bible lessons, thankfully, to the environment that I was in, in church, uh, and I mean pastors and teachers and principals and professors and everybody in my family. I'm, I'm one of eight children, and uh, now with my brothers and sisters, children and grandchildren, I have over 53 nieces and nephews, if you can believe it. It's just an enormous family. God has uh, um, just really blessed our family, and I grew up in, a, in a again, a um, A Baptist, a little bit legalistic type environment, but there was a lot of learning of the Word of God, and so Bible class was not as exciting as it should have been. It was I became very kind of complacent and adult, and I remember when we learned about Moses and the children of Israel and the land of Canaan, and I just thought, what does this have to do with anything? To I mean, I really became one of them, complaining. I thought, ah, it just I learned about it, and I thought it's a great story, and but I never understood. It's significance to my life, and yet that has become one of the most predominant stories that is a picture of what the Christian life is. And so that's kind of been on my heart, but I'm going to be talking um, this morning to you about a couple of things that have to do with this concept of being delivered into freedom and what that looks like. You know, you do not have to settle for just deliverance. I pray that we are delivered. I pray that we are delivered, A, unto salvation, and that we are then delivered into um, the removal of strongholds, and the removal of chains, and slavery of our sinful flesh. But we don't have to settle for just the delivery. We can be walking in freedom. We can have freedom. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. So I want to have you look with me just briefly at Exodus 6. Uh, It's not where we're going to stay. But um, I'm going to be back and forth between two translations this morning, um, the King James and the New Living. Greg is a big ESV guy, and I love, love, love that translation as well, and you'll notice some uh, most of the time on the board he has the ESV. Unfortunately, the, the uh, presenter that we're using today, the, the King James that you'll see up there is New King James, so there may be a words that are off. And the, the other little fun little fact about the New Living translation is that there are many updates. And so sometimes the new living can be off by a word or two, but it's good if you can see it on the screen. But look with me at Exodus 6, and um, if you have, like many, woke up this morning exhausted and tired from physical, uh, just tiredness on your day and weekend so far, um, engage as much as possible by, you know, taking notes or or following in the Word of God, because it really will help uh, your body to um, to be alert, and honestly... The Holy Spirit can quicken your spirit way beyond the strength of your body. Um, You know, as far as tiredness, I could tell you some stories. But God is good and he he will do it. So let's look at Exodus 6 really quickly first. You know, God's plan was to deliver the children of Israel through calling a man named Moses. Okay? And we know the story. It's a very familiar story. But we're talking about 400 years. Of bondage and slavery. If you can imagine that, that's just mind blowing. The people that were there at the time that that God was calling Moses to draw them out of Egypt, that is all they ever knew from generation to generation. Four hundred years of slavery. Wow, that's incredible. And one, the verses that kind of struck me is in chapter six, Exodus six, and in this I'll be in the New Living. In verse six of Exodus six, it says, uh, you know, first of all. God is telling Abraham I mean telling um uh, Moses in verse starting in verse 2 I am the Lord I appeared to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob as all, as God almighty though I did not reveal my name the Lord to them I and I entered into a solemn covenant with them he was planning to to deliver these people I swore under its terms it says in and this is in verse 3 or in verse 4 um I swore to give them the land of Canaan where they were living You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians. I have remembered my covenant with them. Now, this is what really um, began to strike me here, starting in verse 6. Therefore, he's telling Moses, this is what you're going to say to the people, okay? that I'm going to free. Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with mighty power and great acts of judgment. I will make you my own special people and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord your God who has rescued you from your slavery in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give you, or to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It will be your very own property. I am the Lord. Okay, so Moses is supposed to deliver this. So Moses told the people in verse 9, he told the people what the Lord had said, but they wouldn't, couldn't listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. In the King James it says that they had hearkened, they hearkened not unto Moses for the anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Have you ever been there where you're just like, I just, God, I just can't. I, you're so discouraged. Or you've been under such oppression that even though you know that God is God and yes, he's He's bigger than I am and he's got a plan, and, but I'm just so discouraged. I can't, I can't, I can't. Just talk to the hand. I can't, even, I can't even deal with it. Have you ever been there where you just feel like I can't even receive a word? That is a very real place for believers. And if there is one thing that is so key and so important is what we decide to believe. We're not always going to um, be able to feel like we're right there. We're not always going to be able to feel invigorated. But you know, God, he just, he bottles every tear. He heals the hearts of the brokenhearted. God is so good. And when you're in a place like that, like, like he did for them, when you're in a place like that, he will begin, if even you can just believe that God is a better choice, like I don't know how, yeah, I believe God's a better choice, but I don't even know how, I don't even know, you know, sometimes we're kind of just there, and it's that heavy, and and by the way, one thing that struck me is how important it is for us to be prayer warriors, prayer interceders for others, we need to pray for others, when they cannot pray for themselves, that is so important, pray encouragement and strength over people, God he does great things. James five sixteen. the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you go before the Father righteous and right with him and pray for somebody else, it does great, great things. It's an amazing, amazing help. But God began to, to show them great acts that were significant and show him who he was. Now, I have to tell you, some of you can relate to this and testify to this. If you've ever felt that way, You probably have also been able to see times when God has done things that only he could do. Like, I don't know how I dodged to that bullet. I don't know how, and (laughs) that might be literal. Maybe you've ever been in live gunfire and you're like, I don't know how God got me out of that situation. You know, there are times when the Spirit of God will bring to your mind, I know you feel weighed down by this heaviness, but it it is not outside of my power to deliver you right now, because look what I did here, look what I did there, and God had to really show them, they had had such a long time of oppression, 400 years, wow, that is just so incredible, so they were too discouraged, but then the Lord said to Moses in verse 10, go back, and in verse 11, go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people of Israel leave Egypt, you know, he called someone to a significant place of leadership to help lead others. And if God has called you to leadership in anything, and and by the way, you don't have to wait for some formal calling. God will show you clearly if He is raising you up to be that voice of influence. You know, um, if you ever want to know um, who a leader is in a group of people, especially in a in a time of of a, of a conflict or a struggle or a you know. What are we going to do if you've ever been in a situation like if somebody, if everybody was stuck in an elevator, if everybody was locked in a room and there was something happening? The leader in the room is going to be the one people go to who knows what to do. That's, you know, there's no, there's not some formal, okay, let's all decide who will be, let's vote and see who's going to be a leader. Usually in those times of struggle, it's the person that is given the ability to have the word of knowledge as to know what to do, and that's a leader. So when God begins to reveal to you that he's leading you to lead others, step up and, and walk in him and you'll, you'll be amazed the influence that you'll have because of that. Sometimes we wait to kind of be dragged and be kind of affirmed by humans to, to be a leader and um, and that, that doesn't always have to be the case. But one thing that I wanted to show you um, as as I was looking at, uh, look at verse, go to, to, to chapter 7 if you would. Um, the Lord said to Moses, and this is as he was beginning to to show the children of Israel what he was going to do. And I just love this. He said, pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh. Your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Okay, remember Moses was like, said to God, I can't speak, I can't talk, I can't I can't do this. And he brought Aaron to him. God will often call people that don't feel like they can do what he's asked them to do. And uh, that's a great place to be. It's a terrible place of in your flesh because you don't like to feel out of control but when god calls you to something you don't have capacity for oh he gets to be god and it's awesome it is awesome to let him be god to just be called to something that you can already do on your own oh wow that's not only a dangerous place but it's an opportunity for a trap for the enemy because it goes nowhere apart from me you can do nothing like jesus said in jay and john so he's Provided Aaron for him. And then he says in verse 2, Tell Aaron everything I say to you and have him announce it to Pharaoh. He will demand that the people of Israel be allowed to leave Egypt. But I will cause Pharaoh, and this is partly why there was the plagues and all of this, I will cause Pharaoh to be stubborn so that I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so I will crush Egypt with a series of disasters after which I will lead the forces of Israel out to show great acts of judgment, Then, or out with great acts of judgment. When I show the Egyptians my power and force them to let the Israelites go, they will realize that I am the Lord. Um, part of the, uh, the plan was not just to show the Egyptians and Pharaoh God's power, but to show the discouraged Israelites that honestly had begun many of them to even adopt some of the um, the Egyptian ways. I mean, here they were, God's chosen people. And um, the, of Egypt had a lot of mysticism, a lot of idolatry, and just wickedness. And in their discouragement and in their oppression, they just succumbed to a lot of that. So God had to show them, and the chapter goes on, it's a fabulous story, fantastic story, we're right from the beginning, you know. Moses is like, well, I, I've got nothing, and God's like, what do you got in your hand? You got a staff. Throw it down, and it became something powerful. And then what happened? Of course, the mysticism. Satan's always there to try to counter the power of God. If he sees the power of God, he will try to counter it. He will try to mirror it so that you can be like, for a split second, confused. But remember, God's power is always greater. And of course, as you read on. Yes, they threw down their staffs, they became snakes, just like Moses' staff did, but his staff ate up their staffs, or their snakes, right? So you're like, okay, now, now it's on. Now it's, now it's, now it's a fight. This is gonna be good. And it got good. Um, but many of the plagues they were able to duplicate. And that was to show that, yes, there is, uh, there is a contest that Satan will bring forth, but he will never win. And, uh, so it's a fantastic story, but not going through the depths of the story, because this is just kind of the introduction, turn to, further down to Exodus 12 and just see what God did through this series of these plagues and of this whole journey that he, he took uh, Moses in and all the things that they suffered. I love the turnabout that God brought them to in Exodus 12, starting in verse 35. And the people did, okay, through all the stuff that they had been through, People, the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed and asked the Egyptians for um, clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians, he caused them, okay, God's hand was so moving upon them, whoo, it's just powerful, to look favorably on the Israelites, the ones that they thought were dirt under their feet, that they were oppressing, God flipped it upside down. He brought them from discouragement and thinking they'd never be free to now basically saying, look, give me all your stuff. Okay, we're not only going to leave and you can't, you can't oppress us anymore, but we, we want to take your stuff. Okay. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So like a victorious army, they plundered the Egyptians. What a day that must have been. Yeah. Thanks for beating me. I'm taking all your stuff. I'm going. That's a great day, right? That is the beauty of salvation when you are delivered out of death and hell and sin. And we see the words to the praise song: "Forever He has overcome." Hallelujah, Hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. The song uh, in Carrie Job's song "Forever" uh, that, that she sings just wrecked me this week. I just was I was listening to the part when it was talking about Jesus. The cur- the weight of every curse was upon him. ever had the weight of a curse on you? Absolutely I haven't. Some of you have and don't know that you have. um, Until God reveals to you because a lot of the oppression, generational oppression, is in the form of a curse. But I'll tell you what, Jesus took on every weight of sin, death, hell, curses, everything upon him. He took it upon him and then was delivered completely free. I mean, how amazing. And salvation is Is the, the, the deliverance out of all of that, out of all of that, into where He wants us. But you know what? We are saved from, for, and to. It is a journey. It is a process. We are saved from death, hell, sin, the weight of, of curses, the weight of everything, for relationship with Him, to our destiny, to our promised land. So it is a journey. It is a step. You aren't saved into perfection. There is that second part. Remember, there's the justification, which is what salvation is. Then there's sanctification, walking with God. And then one day in that promised land, now there's the promised land of our, of our, the perfect will of God here. And then there's the glorification of our bodies where we're in our ultimate kingdom in, um, in heaven with Jesus. But we get to see here that they were initially delivered. Well, then is their wilderness time. And as I said to the ladies downstairs, Every believer has a wilderness. Every believer. It could be 11 days like it was supposed to be for them. Or it could be a whole lot of long years. The choice is yours. How much you surrender and give him your yes. And that battle of our flesh, that battle that ensues, um, is, is part of the, the struggle. But remember, you know, I, I always would struggle and say, Lord, but why? Why is there such a battle? And it's because God didn't create robots to just do what he wanted. He created us for relationship and fellowship. And the picture that I had in my mind that I was thinking of even even in worship, I thought, you know, thank you, Lord, that you created me for, for relationship, for fellowship. And he gets to get glory from my life as I give him my yes, because I don't have to choose him. I can choose. Now, it doesn't work out so well. You don't have to live very long to find out that not doing things God's way is gonna end up pretty rough. Okay? I mean, as early as, you know, nursery, I was, my announcement of my birth was in our bulletin at our church, the Baptist church, uh, I won't tell you the year, a lot of, a lot of years ago. And, uh, I mean, it's funny, my, my mother would always say, she, you know, she remembers different things about our birth. She'd say, yeah, and, and you know, Lexi did this, and she said, Anne, Anne was a biter. As she watches this, and she was a biter, in the nursery, she would bite the other kids. And, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, literally in the nursery, you get to learn that there's mean kids, like right away. Like there's people that aren't, that's not everybody around godly and perfect in wonderful. You don't have to live very long at all to realize that that's the case. But, um, but God is, um, He, He's working in us this amazing choice that we can give Him. But he did not create robots. He didn't create robots. And uh, and I, I was thinking that, you know, when Greg chose me, how devoted would I feel that he was to me if he had no other choice? You know? Like, if I literally was the only choice, okay, the whole desert island, you're the only other person, okay, by default, will you marry me? You know? <laughs> sure, I just feel so special, <laughs> you know? I mean... Think about that, and and it's so funny because Greg, you know, it, even as I joke, and he, I don't know if he'll appreciate saying it, but when I met him and we were going to go out to dinner the next night, he had two dates on the same night. Hmm.
1: Yeah. But he
0: dumped them both and spent time with me. And, uh, I was really really sweet. I didn't find that out till later, but I was like, wow, thank you. I was chosen over. Two, two different dates that he, that he had, kind of back to back because he was coming back to college and trying to get it all back in. He'd graduated and came back. But you know, that made me feel special right out of the gate. Now I didn't know immediately I was going to marry him, but I thought, oh, he's choosing me right away. Well, I'll tell you what, it brings glory to God. You know, he, he, he created us for his glory, but he gave us a choice because he wanted an authentic, real relationship. Okay. So in that choice, and with people being able to not choose him, that is where you have all the turmoil in the world, because many of us know we've been hurt and harmed and interacted with people who've not chosen God, and that is difficult. But um, but God is is calling us today out uh, into into this place of freedom, delivered and. It's really all about what we were just saying—overcoming. I want you to turn with me to Revelation. Revelation chapter twelve um, is a great verse that, um, first of all, part of what comes against us—we all know that lucifer fell, took a third of the angels. You know, the, hence the uh, the demonic spirit realm force that we find in Ephesians six about the time of the the time on this earth is uh, influenced by the prince of the power of this air, okay, which we know is Satan, and his forces come against us. That is why, when Wendy had us focus on those words, that is why the truth of God being an overcomer is very significant. Because He has, he overcame every single spirit realm that Satan's forces exist in. He already overcame that. So when we invite Jesus into our life, and we have the spirit of God in us, we get to walk in that overcoming power. But if you read Ephesians 3.20, that this exceeding abundantly above all that that we could ask or thank God is only according to the power that works in us. Which basically is saying, the more you say yes, the more you're going to see my exceeding abundantly above. That's when you see it, is when you say yes. When you have, and Michael Stephen was even mentioning that um, when we talked briefly uh, in the last couple of days, while in Africa, he was saying yeah. Right before the, the power of God hit the Jesus film last night, he said, "I just—it was just blind faith." He said, "You know what? When we just step in blind faith," and I thought, "Oh man, that's—that's that's it. That's that key. That's that yes. That blind faith. Blind faith. People don't like to be blind and step. That's scary. We like to step because we know God is good, and okay, I'm going to step, but I—I I, I want certain parameters in place. You know, we—we want—we want our dignity." We, we want, and the religious spirit loves its dignity, you know? i tell you what, if dignity is more important than your deliverance, you're going to really always be in bondage. If dignity is more important than your obedience to God, you're going to always be in some form of disobedience. You will get your dignity back. And by the way, that's kind of a, a myth. I mean, whatever dignity means. God will, God will restore. God is, is a holy, righteous, wonderful God. And uh, so whatever we think dignity is, it's probably been imposed upon us by somebody else. As I said in the ladies' class, it's certainly acceptable to act like a complete fool at a football game, but yet if you have a little bit of a hand raise during the worship service, oh my goodness, certain churches, we can't have that. can't have movement. We can't have movement of our body. We must be very, very righteous. You know, and, and they put these strange things on us that are, I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's very real in a lot of churches. She raised her hand. Okay, ushers. Well, ushers. Yeah, feel that way. Her hand is up. Oh, my God. It might cause a little bit of a stir. You know, it's just, it's sad. But in Revelation, we see in verse 10. Now, this is key. This is key because in verse 10, that's where we see for the accuser, the second half of the verse. For the accuser, and I'm in King James right now, but. For the accuser of our brethren, okay, is cast down, which accused them, us, before our God, day and night. That is all Satan does. He just accuses and accuses. That is all. He brings things to the Father. Why? Because he wants a legal right to take hold of your life in some way. He is looking for a right to wreak hell in your life. And when he brings it before, he watches somebody and he says, Oh, okay, yeah, I, oh she okay, ooh, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab that. I'm gonna get that. I watched, I see that. He takes it to the Father, and he's a big old tattletale. That's really what he does. Father, he's allowed to come into the throne of before the throne of God and make his case. Now, who's our advocate? Jesus. He's our lawyer, he's fighting for us, he's he won't relent till he has it all. Okay, that song you know, he won't relent. He has, he's fighting so hard for us, but we limit, we tie the hands of our lawyer when we keep not giving God our yes, allowing Satan to get another bit of goods on us and take it before the father to get permission, okay? Because the Father's a righteous judge. He's a perfect righteous judge. We give Satan so much ammunition, okay? Now, this isn't about doing it in our own will. When we cooperate with the father and we let Jesus fight for us. And then Jesus actually gives us the Holy Spirit inside of us. Romans 8, we have no obligation whatsoever to do what our flesh desires. We have no obligation. You're not chained to your flesh anymore because you have the Spirit of God living within you, if you've invited him into your heart. So in this revelation verse in in 10 then right on the heels of that and I love this I hope that you memorize this memorize it every translation you can do and they overcome how do you overcome an accuser how do you overcome somebody that's basically a protester on your front door your back door your side doors every time you turn can you imagine we see now often protesters around can you imagine having protesters up in your face watch oh 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 okay see what they did see what they did that's the demonic realm you don't think they see everything you do. I mean, I'm telling you what, you know, this walking in holiness is no joke. It's realistic with the spirit of God, but it is no joke. You want to have certain levels of hell unleashed into your life, then just kind of go, oh, it's not a big deal, not a big deal, you know. So the best thing Satan can do in his schemes against us is to have us look at things that are unrighteous as light big deal. You know, we don't, we don't call sin, sin anymore. It's, it's almost a big taboo in the church. It's not my sin, but it's my struggle. It's my struggle, you know, or it's my, and it is a struggle, but it's still sin. If it's sin, if it's something that that displeases God, we got to call it what it is. But I love this verse. This is so encouraging. And they overcame him by three things, three things that are so key by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, testimony and testifying of your life is so important. And they loved not their lives. To the death. That means I'm not valuing everything in this human realm, on this earth, to the point where I wouldn't give it all to Jesus. Remember what Greg just preached on? That line in the sand. we got to give it all. got to give it all. You want to be an overcomer? You want to walk in victory and not be chained in the slavery of Egypt, if you will? Don't love your lives to the point where you hold on to it instead of giving it to God. Three-step plan to victory, folks, as simple as that. The blood of the land that paid it all, that took everything upon him, Jesus. The testifying, the declaring, the declaration, the power of our words to declare. That goes with 2 Corinthians 10.5 about the casting down imaginations. Getting rid of that stuff and then declaring who God is. Walking in that. And boy, not loving your life unto death. i tell you what, that that ought to be a huge plaque somewhere in everybody's house. It's just so great. Um... So I'm going to give you a few ways. We we may not get to all of them. There's eight of them, but I don't want to scare you. It's not going to be forever. There's eight ways. If you have asked Jesus, let's come from the place of God delivered me into salvation. How do I walk in that sanctification? Or if you will, how do I keep my deliverance? In that moment when you accept Christ and your sins are forgiven. Now, how do I begin to walk in that Romans 12, 1 and 2? Present my body a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Be renewed in my mind, transformed and renewed in my mind and in my body. How do I begin to do that? Keeping your deliverance is really, really important. So, again, we're going to look at a couple of different things here, but Matthew 12 is so, so awesome. Um, Matthew 12, and and the reason I want you to know where some of these scriptures are is because, um, well, I'm going to tell you in a little bit. I'll tell you why. It's important, but you know that. Roman, I mean Matthew twelve verse forty four is this is all Jesus talking, and he said, um, this is talking about when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man in verse forty three. Okay, it walks through dry places seeking rest and findeth none, and then he saith, I will return into the house from whence I came. Okay, he's going to go and check back out. That's why some people get hit real hard right after they get saved. And they get hit with all this temptation because they've just accepted God. Their sins are forgiven. Satan's now swarming around. He's looking, I'm going to go ahead and return. I spent a lot of time there with that person. I'm going to go knocking on their door. And he's going to find three things. He's going to find that it's empty. Okay, Because of, of what Jesus did. It's empty. It's swept. And it's King James says garnished. Or the word is clean. It's clean. What's interesting about Satan is... He's not bothered by the sweat and he's not bothered by the clean. Because that can be a whole lot of things. That can be masked as morality and whatever. But he can definitely work with that empty. If they're empty, if there's a portion that's empty, I got some access there. I got some, I got some place I can go. And I'll tell you what, if you want to keep your, if you want to, if you're in, you've been delivered by Jesus, you've been delivered in your, into your salvation and you want to begin to walk in holiness. Number one is make Jesus the Lord of your life. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Okay. There's a whole meaning of why you see it in all caps sometimes in the Old Testament and why sometimes you, you see it in uh, the rest of the letters after the L in lowercase. And that's another whole thing I can't get into this morning, but Lord in all capitals is the complete Ruler of your life, the one who affects every decision that you make. Making Jesus Lord. Any part of our life that isn't surrendered to God is unsafe and has potential to be entered by the strongholds of the enemy. Did you know that? It's really interesting. That's why, don't think of deliverance as just for somebody who's basically levitating off the ground and demon-possessed. That's a full, yes, that's a full takeover possession. But you can have uh, areas in your life that need deliverance. There are, even since Ignition started, I was teaching in ministry for many, many years in women's ministry. And when God began to speak to me, and I, I began to give him my yes and, and begin to say, look, I'm not even going to stay to some of the religious teaching. I want to read your word from a fresh, Holy Spirit only, like open my eyes truly, and like I quote that verse in Psalm 119, Really opened the eyes of my understanding. I want to, I want God, I want there to be no, no filter of, of humans between. I really want to be a true Berean and, and learn for myself. When I started to do that, God just started to, and I finally was open and said, Lord, I, I do believe you to be the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you really believe that, you can say that all day long, but do you believe that the God of the Old Testament, that the God of the New Testament will do now for you what he did then? Do you believe that you know, that God will speak or that, that you could even have a burning bush experience. I mean, you know, don't limit what God will do. Don't just put that in a box of the Old Testament prophets or, or characters. Some people even just call them characters as if they're all fables. God will do it. And when he did that, he showed me locked doors in my life that I never gave to him. Now, some of them were authorities that I had unknowingly let in that were during my ministry. there was was a lot that had to do with pride. And I was really amazed by that. Not just sneaky. Pride is so sneaky. And and by the way, as soon as you think that you've gotten rid of all your pride and you're totally humble, you're probably proud. (laughs) I'm just so humble now. I'm just so glad that I'm just so humble now. I'm just so humble. If you're too aware of that, you might be struggling with it a little bit in a sneaky way. It was more of just God just Beginning to show me how pride was manifesting. And in my case, it was manifesting through, um, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't, I never consider myself a crier, but I'll tell you what, when the Spirit of God started to move and I started to feel the shaking and so he started to do things, I had to let go of that because it just kept manifesting in tears. So I thought, okay, well, I got a choice here. <laughs> I either am going to shut it down because I don't want to cry because I really didn't. Or i got to just let God be God and see what happens. And some of you have seen the results of that. Sometimes the trembling, you know, when the Spirit of God comes heavy and it come ecstatically or comes through my tongues. And that even, even allowing him to move and flow in speaking in tongues, which I never believed existed for today, uh, for a lot of years of my life, um, was a matter of, of surrendering it. And I started to see that, okay, wow, something about keeping my composure meant more to me than letting God be God. And for me, that that was just my issue. Where is our locked door? What is it that you can't give to God? What is it that isn't surrendered? That's, you know, when when God just becomes so real, there's just nothing you wouldn't give up for him. It's just amazing. We've got to make God Lord. We've got to make him Lord of our life. Um, He's looking for a vacancy, and he sends his demons out, and he assigns, Did you know that you have... Uh, There there is literally a ministry of of demons that essentially are assigned to you when you're born. That's why at the earliest possible after conception, um, you know, Satan gets the victory whenever a child is, is aborted. That is a human sacrifice to his kingdom when it is cut short in the form of murder, of abortion. And that is why we are warring against that. We are warring. God is beginning to break through and put things in place where our laws will begin to change. You watch it happen. It's amazing. But there will be... Uh, if you will, weeping and gnashing of teeth coming against that, and that you'll see literally manifest in this nation as Satan's forces fight against those things happening because he does not want to shut down. I really, uh, um, I know a little bit about it, but I would urge you to see the movie. I don't know the name of it now. Some of you might know it. It's the movie that will t- that tells the story of that man that was convicted of thousands and thousands of abortions uh, and they were the body parts were put in the freezer and all that stuff. There's a name for that. I just saw the advertisement for it. But if you knew the behind the scenes, Gosnell, Gosnell, Gosnell yes, that's the name of the movie. It's it's, uh, it's rated PG. It looks like it's it looks like it's a very well done acting movie. But I will tell you, if you can know the behind the scenes of the forces that have been trying to shut that movie down, I mean, it is insane how much they did not want that movie to come out. They did not want that that story to be told. Nobody wants to get into the the fact that an abortion is an actual life that God created. Nobody wants to touch that with a 10-foot pole because they'll lose their argument just like that. If it's not a life until it's born and wrapped in a beautiful blanket, then they can have their way. And that is how bad it has become with, of course, the partial birth abortion laws. It's wicked, it's evil, but we cannot turn a blind eye to it because it's, it's the prayer of the righteous man that avails much. We've got to be praying into these things. So I'd urge you to, to have that and to begin to pray uh, even for the success of that, that story to tell the truth about that situation. So we've got to make Jesus our Lord. Also, one thing that is so important, if you want to walk in victory and in freedom, not just, okay, I'm delivered and now I'm just going to exist. Oh, God, please take me home. Please take me to heaven because, you know, Whatever. It's just kind of boring, it's just Christian life, it's, when is church going to be done, man, I'm hungry, you know, this whole stuff, I've been there, I've been there, I know, you know, I didn't, I just really thought there was maybe just a slight mental illness to some of these people that were completely radical for God, and could be in church all day long, I just thought, okay, I, and, and I and never even, and I remember when the Lord convicted me about that, that 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 was just such a I didn't even understand how bad that attitude was but it was so foreign to me I didn't know what I didn't know I did not know it was possible to have that much joy and that much enthusiasm and want to actually be with believers that love Jesus all I saw through my flesh's eyes was people that were different than me and oh I don't know if I can get along with you the, the picture that, that Greg has had, and he, if you guys watched the live Facebook yesterday, that that how we get along as believers is like a straight line here. We, we're all believing, we're all believing, we have our, you know, we, we, we seek God, and we love the Lord, but we're all in our own section of the Christianity and world. You know, he's got the Presbyterians, he's got different people and different groups and sects. And as we begin to focus on The Lord Jesus Christ in relationship alone, those separation lines all come together and the unity of the bride comes in that perfect triangle where we all seek God, okay, we're different but we truly seek the one true God, I'm not talking about false religions I'm talking about seeking God through salvation through the blood of Jesus and the cross as we seek him in relationships, we unite because that, the point Jesus is what we have in common and now all of a sudden iron can sharpen iron Because where you're not like me, I can learn from you rather than it be a repellent. And we end up in these little clicks, okay? Do you know why clicks form? Because we're actually looking for us, self-centered, focused, self-focused me. I'm looking for some more of me in somebody else. I'm looking, oh, she's kind of like me. Oh, I like her. Oh, she's into... You know, and basically it's this self-involved, I want to be around people that think like me, that act like me, that help me to be more of me because it's all about me. And that is what creates clicks. Rather than taking that out and saying, I love the Lord by God with my whole strength, my heart, my soul, my life, everything. And I love my neighbor as myself. I just love them. Not because they're like myself, but I love them the way our flesh does love itself. And that's how I love them. And, uh, it's, it's not easy. Can't be done in the flesh. In fact, as soon as you look through fleshly eyes, all you see are differences that make you kind of feel uncomfortable. But when you see it through God's eyes, oh. I love that one song, uh, Break My Heart for What Breaks Yours. Uh, I got all the words to that, the lyrics. I just wanted to write down all the lyrics this morning and preach the lyrics of the worship and just give you another section of that. But, um, because it was so good. But the garment of praise is the second one. And I'm not we don't worry, we're not going to necessarily if we run out of time and don't get through all of them, that's fine. But the second one, garment of praise, that comes from Isaiah 61, verse 3. And I do want to show you that verse because we often don't recognize that the heaviness that we carry and the heaviness that the Egyptian or that the children of Israel carried in Egypt is a spirit. If you are weighed down with heavy, dark depression, do not be misled. That is a spirit. Just like heavy fear, heavy anxiety, right here in Isaiah. Look at verse 3. Okay, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the spirit Spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. This is a very important thing to understand. Heaviness can be removed in the spirit realm of of our prayer. A, you've got to be careful that as soon as you have any agreement with it, when you agree, Satan, one of the ways that he is looking for entry in our life is through agreement. That is why, be careful, little mind what you think, okay? How you, what you feed on is very, very important. And if you begin to agree, you can sometimes experience or feel the heaviness coming at you, and you can rebuke it and cast it it down. But if you begin to let it come in and wallow in in it, and all of a sudden it becomes something that's accepted by you, now you've got to do one thing before you cast it away, and that is ask for forgiveness. I never understood that you actually ask. You needed to ask for forgiveness for struggling with depression, if in order to get the spirit to be cast. Because as soon as it has authority, now you didn't mean to give it that. That's that's the thing. That's why we have to seek God. Half of what we struggle with, we don't want to struggle with. It's not that. It's not. There is therefore now no condemnation. So be careful with that. But when you find agreement with it, and I have, absolutely, even after I went to the official courts in terms of, you know, really went before the Lord to find out all about um, anything that was unknown in my life, I was hit really hard within about 24 hours after that, that event in my life. And, and it was, it was real epiphany. In fact, it was so heavy, I didn't even want to speak to Greg about it because Satan, by the way, he always works in packs. If you're discouraged, you probably it's probably coupled with some fear and maybe throwing a little anxiety you know, side a little side to side you know bowl of pride and they work in packs satan's dean he works in games it always works together you're never just going to have one isolated thing he's going to always have a few side sides of issues so i was having this heaviness and i didn't even want to talk to greg because my pride i felt so stupid that i was you know i had the condemnation i had the, the heaviness. The, the darkness. It was, I mean, it was starting to feel it like like um, like something to just carrying a heavy garment. It was really interesting how it really felt like a heavy garment. And I didn't even want to talk to Greg about it because I thought, well, he's just going to give me some super spiritual answer, and I don't want it. Because you know, when you're depressed, you're just like, okay, I don't. Okay, you're so great, and I'm so you not. Know. I mean, our minds kind of go there. And so, so I finally thought, okay, this is getting bad. Like it's getting bad. It's starting to squeeze the life out of me. So I just bit the bullet. I said, yeah, not doing so good. I went to the courts and, uh, I'm really struggling today. And I mean, he just was, he was just tense. And he had such a great answer. He just, he said, well, don't forget, you can cast that away. Ask for forgiveness and cast it away. He said, and watch what it'll do. And I thought, for my first thought was, I already know that you didn't tell me anything new because I'm not going to have this debate where you think you know more. I was just stupid. So I thought, okay, thank you. And I walked away. I went into the garage, shut the door. And I just said, father, forgive me. And I mean, nothing of my emotions was there, but I said, father, forgive me. I I ask for forgiveness right now for agreeing with any of this heaviness, any of this darkness. God, I ask you for forgiveness. And I know that you forgive me from first John one, nine. If I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. I ask you for the cleansing. And I command demonic spirits over me now to be bound and cast to the abyss in Jesus' name. This spirit of heaviness, I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, it was just, the garment was broken. I mean, like, atmospherically, like I could take a deep breath. And it was removed. And it was so... Powerful. What a stark difference. Right in that moment. And God just allowed me to viscerally experience it to show me the power of the truth of His Word. That when we apply it and when we believe it, we have freedom. What you believe is so powerful. If you believe, and I did say to the ladies that I would probably say this again, but I, I, the, the thing that came to my mind to prove the point of belief was a particular phobia called agoraphobia where you, you don't want to leave your house and you don't want to be around other people. If you have a belief that that is your reality, okay, that will impact your life. How? You won't go anywhere. You don't want to go places, you don't want to be in connection with people, you don't want to fellowship, you don't want to talk to them, you don't like spaces where other people are. And you become isolated, which makes you Huge prey for the enemy, just so you know. But isolation is devil, definitely the devil's playground for sure. But that belief in the fact that you, you're you believing lies, that somehow something bad will happen if you are interacting with others, is going to keep you in chains. And so what we believe is so important. But then stepping in that. So that's why when you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that, that there is a hell, and that if you don't invite him into your life, you're going one place or another when you leave this life, heaven or hell, when you believe that and say, okay, I I want to I want to trust Jesus as my Savior, that is the first step. Salvation. Believing that. Now you've got to believe for who God is. And just like the children of Israel, God had to show them who He was through His great acts of judgment, like we read in, in Exodus. And God is so amazing, and, and I will say, um, and, and we won't take you to the scripture, I'll just paraphrase it for sake of time, but the reason why God did not take the children of Israel just directly to the promised land, which would have been an 11-day journey, is because the battles that would bring them victory, by the way, the battles that were coming from all the ites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, You know, the Gurgisites, all they had a bunch of ites they were going to have to fight because they were sitting on their land, okay? That battle would have been too intense without an appropriate time of wilderness training. And God knew that wilderness, you know, it wasn't their punishment. It was their opportunity to see this God that's not only going to free them from Egypt, but who's going to actually provide every single day, what is this stuff on the ground? Oh my goodness! It's food. We don't have to shop. We don't have to budget. It's just there. We just go outside. We just get it. It's wonderful. I mean, every single day. They never lacked. They never lacked. But like the flesh does. Okay. Mm, you got something else? Yeah. Kind of like we had that yesterday. Like I want something. And the flesh kicks in. And God, of course, then heard their complaints, heard their cries, and gave them the meat. Gave them the quail. But God was able to show them who He was that He could be faithful. What is God doing in ignition right now? He is building endurance. He is building us. See, God sees each of our promised lands and He knows the victories, okay, we don't look at it from the lens of battle. Remember, how do you get a victory? How you get a victory from being in a, in a, in a, in a conflict. That's how you get a victory. It's like saying if if some young man were to say, "Okay, what do you want to be when you grow up?" I just want to be a star football player, man. because That's what I want to be. I want to be a star football player. Okay, yeah, that's that's I, I want to get you know big contracts and I, you know, I want to go for the whole thing. It's just gonna be I just want to be a winner. I Want to be a football winner. Okay, great, good. Okay, you to know, join the team. You're on the team now. We're gonna we're gonna start playing. And can you imagine if this young man, in in the naivety of not even understanding what was happening. Had the first time that he had, that, you know, the practice, the intramural practice. And he goes to the coach and he goes, um, that guy just hit me. Like, like he, and, and, and that guy over there, hey, he knocked me down. Like, I mean, I was just, did you see that? Did you see that? That was, that's not fair. I, I didn't sign up for this. I, I just wanted to be a star football player. I just wanted to win. I mean, I are mean, you seriously? I gotta, I gotta engage in all this to, I mean, you just go, okay, wow, okay, somebody help that kid. (laughs) How do you win unless you play the game? There is an opposing force against you. And that's why the victory is so sweet and so great when you are victorious over that opposing force. And that is our Christian life. But we look at it as a, oh, I just, yeah, this is tough and it's difficult. No, we are overcomers. John tells us, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Not just endure. Don't just, well, just suck it up and try to deal with it. No, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. I've already overcome, okay? Hallelujah, hallelujah, I've overcome. This is an amazing thing. We can have joy in that. And so we have got to be people of worship. That is how the Spirit of God breaks off this heaviness that we have, and that is in Isaiah 61 and I will tell you, it, it, you got to see um, whether it's a heaviness of worry, of fear, of just complacency, whatever it is. When you begin to worship, it is so significant. There was a guy that came into a, well, actually, it. Actually, this old-time preacher that, that said this. This woman walked into church and she said, I'm "Bringing my husband with me. He, you know, he needs deliverance." And and uh, and so they, you know, they began the worship service. The pastor said, "Great, we're going to do worship first." So they do worship. And so the, the service started, the worship started, and the man went over to the preacher and he goes, it's just getting too loud in here. I don't, I don't like it. I, I think I'm going to leave. And the guy said, well, and, and he said, he said, it was just a Holy Spirit res- response. He said, you can either, he said, if you want Satan to leave, if you leave right now, the devil will leave with you. If you stay, the devil will leave without you. And some of us, what is fighting in us is that we need to be worshiping God to get rid of those things that are pulling us back. Satan does not like to stay around worship. And by the way, we've seen that. We've seen that in Ignition. There are people that get real uncomfortable during worship. And there's every reason in the book. I don't know the songs. I don't like, you know, I don't like that. It's, I mean, I was even one that I was like, do we have to stand for that length of time? You know, I kept, think, I kept putting the religion on it, that it has to That's the beauty of it. Brooke reminds us of that all the time. Hannah reminds us of that all the time. And Josh. That you can sit. You can stand. You can straight out. Just worship. Just worship. You got anything that's bothering you? Anything that's heavy on you? Anything that's burdening you to where you're like, God, I've been praying about this, and I'm not seeing breakthrough. And I'm really feeling bogged down by this. There's nothing like worship to take you above the atmosphere of the human realm to see it through the lens of God's eyes. By the way, that realm is your real reality. What we experience here in the human realm is only what we see right before us. This, this myopic view of, okay, this, is, this has got to be good. And I will tell you, um, uh, the, the, the third one, so I'm going to give you one more point on that, but the third one is wear your armor. And you know that's from, from Ephesians 6, 14 uh, through 19. But... I want to tell you one more thing, though, about this this, this inability to see outside of the, the realm. I heard this comedian. It was funny. He said there's a study that's done that fish have six-second memories. And how they could determine something like that, I don't know. But but his, the example that he gave really was just hilarious and, uh, and proves the point. You know, you got these. And, of course, the way he said it was so much funnier than what I'll do. But... He he said there's this you know bunch of fish that are all swimming around and then all of a sudden they see this they see this uh this worm dangling in and they're all like, There's a worm, there's a worm, they go over to it and the one guy gets oh Bob got it, Bob got it, oh man, he got the he got the worm. Bob! It's a trap they got Bob, they got Bob, he's gone, he's gone, it's a trap, it's a trap. And they're all screening around and then all of a sudden, there's a worm. <laughs> I mean, what? Isn't that true? We see the trappings of somebody around us in the pitfall of being caught up in something that they thought was good. And five seconds later, well, there's our one. All we see is what we think is good. And you know what's interesting? Satan's the one in the boat, and he's just dangling down. He's smarter than to put the hook down without anything on it. Because if we see the hook, we're likely to figure out Probably, yeah, could be a worm. It looks sharp. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> go there. I think I'm gonna swim over here, and find something else. But when we just see the worm, and he disguises the hook. And as soon as we take what we think is good, especially when you've been swimming a long time and you're hungry and you're just like, man, I, I just don't see anything else here. It's gotta be that. It's gotta be that. It's gotta be that. And you bite, yanked up, right into the authority. Of um, his being really the puppeteer, you know, for us, and and it's so God is is just He's there. We we are to be, you know, James uh, five fourteen talks about, or is it James five fourteen? I think it's five fourteen. It, resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and He will flee. And I will tell you, using that fisherman as an example, you get a fisherman that seeing that the fisher resisting his bait. I don't I have time to be here all day. I'm going to go. If the fish don't want this, I'll find another area. Mm-hmm. Resist him and he will flee. But some of us are not giving God the yes and not saying, I am going to swim with everything I've got away from this and I'm going to seek God for what he has because I know there is something better. You've got to decide to swim. you got to decide to turn away. And We've got we've to gotta say, Lord, you didn't put your spirit in me for it to just lay dormant. That's not the relationship that I have. You know, when you're in communication with him all the time in relationship, he will tell you, "Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah." Oh. That's so worm on a hook. Mm-hmm. This one's good. That one's not. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's such a beautiful thing to have your best friend help you dodge a bullet right in the moment, and not have to have you go around. You know, sometimes we we do make those mistakes, and you reap what you sow. And then when we've reaped what we've sown, now all of a sudden we're in a trial, and we think, God, how did you let this happen? Can you imagine Bob hanging up there? God, how did you let this happen? You know, whatever that looks like. The hook, you know. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, and, and God's thinking, that's not what I did. That's not what I did. Yeah, you're in a bit of a pickle there. You're in a trial. You're being yanked out. That person wants to eat you. Satan wants to destroy you. And if all you see is in the moment... What you think is good right in front of you. And you don't let the Spirit of God open and lighten the eyes of your understanding to your real reality. Oh, it just makes it so much simpler. So we keep Jesus our Lord. We, we wear, what are you putting on every day? When you wake up, some of you, it's that whole, oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. No. Wake up, put on your garment of praise. Wake up and say, this is the day, even if it's, this is the day that the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad. Your, your, your emotions might not be there yet. I get that. I don't wake up just like, hello, world. You know, no. That's kind of, no. It takes a bit. It takes a bit. Even with keeping cold coffee by the side of my bed. I'm telling you one of my vices. I have cold coffee by the side of my bed with a straw. And I lean over after my alarm went off 12 times. And I take the sip of coffee. And then I lay there. And then I pray that that caffeine will hit me hard. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I just said that out loud. Um, but anyway, but God is good, and uh, he will work with our praise. It's so amazing, because basically praise puts you in agreement with him. It puts you in agreement with him. And you know, it's really hard to be lied to when you are fixed on the truth. You know what? When we know the truth, I don't have to study 12 counterfeits. I just got to know what the real looks like. This is the real. Anything else you got, it's not the real. I got the real. I know the real. This is who it is. And this is his character. And I'm learning more about him every day. There's a whole lot of, if I got a weird random text that came from Greg, from Greg's phone or said it came from Greg, I'd know pretty quickly if it was really him or not based on how he communicates to me because I know Greg. I know him. I, you know, when you invest in that relationship with God, you will know he will give you the wisdom to discern his voice and discern a counterfeit, and discern a disruption or something that's trying to hijack his voice. Um, the other one, too, that just for, I'll actually end with this one. Live by God's word. This kind of is part of it. Live by God's word. You know, it says in Matthew 4, verse 4, that we're not to live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is so important. And, and I want to just tell you here... Um, if I had us do a fun game right now, and I were to give everybody uh, three pieces of paper, and you could had as much as you could to fit it in, you had you wrote down every lyric of every commercial and song that you know. Just just start. Just commercial song or regular song. You start writing down the lyrics, writing down the lyrics. I'm doing old school writing now. Sometimes you go, write Seriously? I would just like type it, you know, because you don't write anymore. I realize that. I'm older, I'm older, and there's such a thing as a pen and paper. (laughs) Anyway, if you had to fill three pages of all the lyric songs you know, you'd have to write tiny. I mean, seriously, all the lyrics of all the songs you know? Now, if the second part of the challenge was to hand you three pages and tell you, I want you to write down, this is from memory, all the scripture that you know. Some of you begin to squirm, feel a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, seriously, her her first page is full. Oh, man, I'm I'm at half the page. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. It's not about that. The point I'm making is, if that would be your struggle, that you wouldn't have that much to write down of Scripture, it really makes the point that society and the world around us speaks to us. It's not that you, if you're writing down the words to... You know, as I heard a preacher say recently to, to the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, it, it's not that you sat down and said, okay, I gotta memorize it. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny, I, I know this, I know, okay, I gotta go over it again. No. You just, this is stuff you learn because you just absorbed it. You absorbed it. We absorb commercials. Marketing people know that. That's why they spend millions and millions of dollars on it. Society speaks to us. We can quote things we don't even want to quote. You know, my sisters and I used to sing that Red Lobster song, Red Lobster for the seafood lover and you poo I was like, okay, why is that in my head? You ever had a jingle like that, a marketing jingle? It's like, why is that in my head? I even, I've been to Red Lobster five times in my life. It's fine, it's a good restaurant, but it's like, it's not my favorite, you know, in my particular case. So it's it's that we are feeding on things in society and the voice of the world is being embedded in our minds. And yet that's the thing of death. And yet the very voice of God that is the word Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How much of it do we know? Do you know the word? Man, when I am heavily oppressed in my car, I don't have time to even look at my phone for scripture. I got to have it here. I got to say, okay, I can do all things through Christ. I'm feeling like I can't do anything right now. But, but your word says, I can do all things through Christ. I'm in lack. How am I going to pay this bill? And my God, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, i got to know this stuff. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, I feel like I'm in such lack. But your word says something different. And so I'm able to soak in truth. Do you know the word? Are you living by God's word? That is. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light. The lamp lights the immediacy. The light lightens our path ahead. And that's so important. We need that light to shine on our future steps even so that we know where we're going. So I want to encourage you, even with these, these steps here, make Jesus your Lord. Wear the garment of praise. Put on your armor, which we didn't have time to get into, and live by God's word. But I'm going to close with this wonderful quote that I heard. And again, the Holy Spirit illuminates truth of this when we know God. But if you sow an act, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. And when you sow a character... You reap a destiny. So if you think that one act doesn't turn into a habit, that those habits don't mold your character, and that your character won't affect your destiny, you are deceived. Because God says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And We don't have to do this alone, man. We don't have to do this alone. If I did not have the Holy Spirit to talk to all day long and Jesus right there fighting for me every day and holding me, like Hannah said, that beautiful picture of Jesus just holding us, we need that. We need that. Because without that, everything in the world that is destructive will be the most appealing worm on that hook I have ever seen. And man, the flesh wants what the flesh wants. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean an urge, like an urge, whatever it is. Food, <clears throat> viewing something, getting one more thing, purchasing one more thing online. You know, uh, drugs, alcohol, something sexual, pornographic. I mean, the flesh, everything is fleshly. And it's so, so important to know what God has that will really f- fulfill us. Because he, he says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. Just taste of him. Don't be like the little kid that's just like, yeah, I don't like it. Well, have you ever tasted it in your head? No, yeah, I, I, I know. I've never tasted it, but I don't like it. You know? Isn't it interesting how you kind of have to, well, honey, we're going we're gonna to come under some discipline, which is actually one of my next points, but come under some discipline and taste it. And you'll be shocked. I did that recently with Yvonne. She's downstairs, but... I did that recently with her with pears. I'm like, yeah, I just don't like it. it just I, no, I just don't like it. She loves pears. Now she's like, Mom, are you gonna buy some more pears? You know, that's like us with God. We kind of just roll our eyes and say, yeah, but uh, I don't know. You know, taste and see what He what He offers. It is so amazing. And and that that point that I that I didn't mention, which I'm going to take a thirty second just extra. I'm, I, I'm not going to be confined by time. Let me just say this. If you don't, bring yourself under discipline. Discipline is, is very, very um, uh, mocked in our society today. And I don't mean the kind of, you know, discipline means different things. I'm talking about self-discipline. Discipline, uh, the, the uh, bringing yourself under authorities in your life. Whether it be, you know, the, the police are being mocked. Uh, there's every indulgence. You know, there, there's no, if it's, it's like if it feels good, do it. It's, it's a, it's a, no discipline at all. You know, uh, there's, there's free love. There's everything. It's like never pulling yourself into discipline. The, the nature of God is that we walk in His holiness with Him. There are limits because we are... Now, there won't be limits one day. One day when there's no opposing evil force, there won't be limits. But right now, all of the limits on us are for our protection. So that's why we've got to be careful and this walking in holiness is a big deal. But remember, uh, and I, I joked a lot about you know, yeah, I'm a rebel and you know, there's a lot of, of, of exalt, exaltation of being a rebel. But what does the word of God say? If you're living by the word of God, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know the scripture? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If you are in constant rebellion to things of discipline, you are opening a door and giving access to all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. And so we kind of go, oh, it's no big deal. It's just something, I just want to do it my own way. You're opening a door. And again, it's not a life of confinement. I've never lived more free in my entire life. Never lived more free. If you think it's bondage and confinement to live and walk in relationship with Jesus, you are deceived. Try and taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in me. That's the last part of Psalm 34.8. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good, Lord. And I just, I know God right now that there may be some listening here or online that are saying, "Yeah, but I just don't know." I mean, I there's things in the world, there's there's stuff that I, I just enjoy doing that I just I don't know what it would be like if I if I didn't do it anymore. I don't know what it'd be like if I if I became one of those crazy sold out Christians. I, I just I may not be happy. I may not be satisfied. God, I just ask you to open their eyes, to see that if they taste and see that you are good, thou art good and doest only good. You work all things together for good. You are a good, good father. God, I just pray that you would show them your power, your acts of righteous judgment, that they might see the stark difference of Freedom versus bondage, even after their deliverance into salvation. I just thank you, God. I have to just praise you for what you've done in my own life. Everything that I remember picturing would just be dull, confining, less than. You've broken those lies wide open, and I praise you for that. I thank you God for showing me the truth of the enemy who is in John 8 44, a liar and the father of lies. Thank you for the freedom in that same chapter, verse 32, that if we know the truth, we will be free. God, we need that freedom today, God. We don't want any part of our lives to have a vacancy that the enemy will seek to come back in. Doesn't matter how swept and how clean. If there's a vacancy, if there's anything not filled by your spirit, then it's it's vulnerable to the takeover of the enemy. God, I just ask you, Lord, to just bring us as this dividing line, as this line in the sand is being drawn, that we've been preaching of for so long, God. you The time is now. The time to choose is now. Choose you this day whom you will serve. God, help us to choose you, choose life, choose freedom. You are good, just praise you, God. I pray for every heart that may be timid, maybe have some trepidation as to but God, are you really good? I've just been hurting for so long, I've been so discouraged. God, show them your greatness, show them your power god i I come in intercession to the before your throne on behalf of of anyone discouraged that can't even pray for themselves. God, show them that even when we see around us what looks like it's hopeless or chaotic, God, nothing is hopeless in you because you are hope. You are the God of hope. You are the God of comfort. Satan wants to tempt us to turn away from you when life is hard and things get scary. But God, you are good. And I just pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the weight of everything upon you on the cross, for just bearing it all, for paying my debt. And I ask you, Father, to just help people, Lord. You Some of them, you paid their debt, and they keep going to the bank, making payments on something you already paid, because they're still in a slave mentality. God, bring freedom. Bring freedom today. Freedom that can only come from you, God. I thank you, God. I praise you for that. And I ask you, Lord, bring the deliverance and the freedom and your love. Just pour out your love this morning. I pray that no one would leave here without making the decision to decide to follow you. And I ask this God in Jesus mighty and holy name, keep your heads bowed for just one moment. If there is anyone here who will buy a private raise of hand, no one is looking around. You will raise your hand and you say, there is a door in my life that is locked. It is locked away from God because I have struggled unto I, I guess I've just believed the lies and it's just not surrender to God. It's just not, I, 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 I've, I've maybe surrendered it and I've pulled it back. Whether it be just one area or more, or maybe your entire life has been in bondage even though you've accepted Jesus and you're like, man, I want victory. Man, I want freedom. I'm sick and tired of feeling like a slave every day. Just by raise of your hand, raise your hand if you want to open that door and say, God, it is yours. Would you lift your hand? Nobody looking around. I see many hands, many hands. Father God, I pray for each of these people with their hands up, God, that they would just lay that down before you right now. And through their act of faith and belief, God, that they would know that you, the Lord is faithful who promised and you promise God that when we ask you, God, For freedom, We ask you what's according to your will, which always to want your way is according to your will, God. You've said you will do it. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, God, for freedom over these hands, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Work in the hearts. Even throughout the day, Holy Spirit, replay, replay your words, not my words, your words, God. Replay it with any hesitancy, any block, any barrier. Break it down. Break through, God, and bring the freedom that I know we desire, even if we don't recognize that we desire it yet, God. Help us to recognize it. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.